am I with Seabus Super? Because I'm a builder and they take care of me. Well, I had an accident on the work site and they helped me out, no worries. Yeah, they helped me out real fast. Mate, they just get me. Because they are for all of us. Seabus, for all of us. To consider if Seabus is right for you, visit seabussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word, World Cup Daily Day 39, brought to you as always by Seabus Super, the industry super fund hitting your retirement others for six or four or whatever your preferred boundary might be. Jeff Lemon here, Adam Collins with me. We're in Canterbury. There was no World Cup action today on the field. There was plenty of World Cup action off the field. Women's Ashes action on the field, but somehow we survived the, the drive from Manchester to Canterbury on had four hours sleep and, and here we are having watched another eventful one day international. I think I said when, my, when we signed off last night, we were due to pull into Canterbury at 4.02 a.m. We ended up getting there at half past five, which 4, was... 4.46. 4.46. Yep. What? Did we get there at 4.46? We, we got, there, half we got there at quarter to five, yeah. Sorry. I was thinking about when, when I turned off my phone. But um, the key information is we made it. Uh, we got to the ground roughly on time, and we saw a masterclass of fast bowling, which we'll talk about in a bit. But it's lovely I, to be I back. I consumed a, an obscene amount of wine gums um, and yeah. listened to a lot of classic hits of the 80s well, yeah, on we, a playlist while driving for Yeah, I hours. put my headphones on, and I was singing in one seat, and you were singing to the other as we went through the went through the motions and kept ourselves awake and did what we needed to do. And now we get the, the privilege of sitting on one of the most beautiful county grounds in all of the country. We're sitting just to the left of the Colin Cowdery stand, looking out across the old hand-reeled scoreboard. This is where I actually interviewed Matt Renshaw for the final word when we spoke to him, gosh, about two months ago now. It feels like about two years ago, but yep. um, that, that happened uh, sitting down here on this field. And, and, and we apparently saw, a cruise ship is leaving by, it would by seem the horn. They're on their, they're on their the way to Calais. Uh, <laughs> we, we drove past Dover last night. We went from pretty much Scotland, to, well, maybe not quite Scotland, but Scotland to France. We crossed the continent. <laughs> not that it's a continent either, but whatever, the island. Uh, and, and it's a gorgeous evening. Uh, and we've seen, as I say, we've seen a masterclass today, which will come to in a bit, but there has been plenty of World Cup action still. I especially like that there's a stand here called the Frank Woolley stand, and and yep. I like the name Frank Woolley because when my older sister was was a, a little kid, she had a, a, a stuffed toy called Mr. Woolley, um, <laughs> and the song is my dad had a song for it, which went, "My name is Mr. Woolley, and I've come to say hello, 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 hello. <laughs> my name is Mr. Woolley, and I've come to say hello." It's a very good song. Is this, very is this Barbara or the other no, this sister? Is, this is Francis. Francis. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, well, your dad is a, a renowned wordsmith and a great author. Yeah. I would have thought that he'd have, uh, he would have had more more clubs in the bag than that. But you know, no, it's who one, might it's, have judged? It's all about pithiness, you know. It's all about what what can you do in the minimum amount of time and amount of words. And, and I think it's effective. Um, all the great pop songs, none of them are very long. None of them have many lines in them. You That's know. true. What did we sing last night? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we sang the uh, the communards. Don't leave me this don't way. Don't leave me this way. That was good. That was yeah. a good moment. That was a high point, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I sang I, ever I will miss your tender kiss. It's not exactly great lyrical. <laughs> genius is it I, I sang Everlong uh, in keeping with the cricket bar, cricket back guitarist I heard back from the ICC about that by the way I said on behalf of the Final Word Daily listeners that I would try and get our podcast to decide who would 
um, show up on, on final day. Yep. Um, I wasn't successful. They've okay. elected just to go with the guy who's already been doing Lords, which, and I told them I'd say this, he's by far the ropiest of the guitar players <laughs> we've seen on the on the Grey Nick, uh, but um, but he's got he's got the gig. I, I thought he was the guy that was pulled in off the stands that afternoon between Pakistan and South yeah. Africa because he took so long to get going, but I remember, he's, got, he's got a job on, on the biggest day in cricket. I remember being, you know, 15, 14, 15, when all of my contemporaries were trying to play guitar and just sort of teenage boys sitting around going, plank, plank, plank. That's pretty much what we've been having through the World Cup. So um, if, if anyone knows how to play guitar, please make yourself known well, to the Well, think ICC. about the people at the World Cup final. Presumably Mick Jagger will be there. Yep. Um, we know that Matt Bellamy was in Australia and England. Felix White from the Maccabees yep. will almost certainly be there. Certainly yep. if England make it, I'd imagine he'll get a, get a, get a start. They've got several options there. Damien mm. Fleming, our colleague, uh, is, is going to be there with us as well. So, Shane Watto-Watson. Shane Watto-Watson. Well, I hope Watto's there. Why wouldn't he be Why there? Why wouldn't he be there? Um, he, he's a, an accomplished guitarist. Steve Smith's learning the guitar. <laughs> yeah, well, one of his go. hobbies. He's, he's now got hobbies. Oh, well. The point is they had options and they, they went for the path of least resistance. But, oh, well, such is life. We've uh, got to have a quick look at World Cup stuff for today. First up, the, the Australian side, which resembles about season six of The Walking Dead at the moment. Give us a rundown. Well, Usman Khawaja is done. I didn't expect they'd make the decision so quickly, but Justin Langer, the original communication from Cricket Australia's media officer was that um, they weren't going to withdraw him, or at least that was in the morning, and then by the time Justin Langer stood up, that is to say, they were adding to the squad Matthew Wade and Mitchell Marsh in an unofficial capacity, in the same way that Marsh was added for Marcus Stoinis' backup uh, earlier in the in the tournament, but... By the time Justin Langer spoke, it was clarified that Kwaja's out for three to four weeks. Uh, his tournament's over. They're gutted, as you'd expect. They're talking about whether he'll be fit for the first Ashes test. And, and as for Marcus Stoinis, uh, it, it will be decided in the next 24 to 48 hours. So they've got Matthew Wade in at the 15 formally, alongside Peter Hanscom, who came in for mm-hmm. Sean Marsh. And as to whether Mitchell Marsh comes in too, that'll be decided tomorrow. So we could have up to, I doubt we'll have three changes, but we could have up to three changes from the 11 that lost against South Africa in time for Edge Baston on Thursday. In reality, it'll probably be Peter Hanscom and Mitchell Marsh if, if you assume that Stoinis is less likely than, than not to play at this stage. Yeah, you'd have to think he's pretty unlikely with one um, previous side strain and now yeah. the other side gone. He needs to bowl. He needs to be able to throw in from the outfield. So he's likely to be replaced. As you said, Mitch Marsh has to come in. Smith will go up to three, but then it's a question of whether it's Wade or Hanscom who comes into the middle order. And yeah. I, I think this squad looks better with Hanscom in it. I think the 11 probably looks stronger with Hanscom in it. But also you've got... Well, you've got Wade who's made a ton of runs recently, but he makes them opening. So whether that lines up with a middle order spot where, where he'd have to be facing spin and a softer ball, that's where I'd, I'd be thinking Pete Hanscom might be the better gig. He bats middle order in the big bash um, and he's accomplished against spin. Yeah, I share that view. I think the Hanscom will will be a net gain. And it's not nice to sort of talk in these terms. And of course, Kawaja was playing his role. And as a backup opener, he has... Certainly got a role to play if Australia lose early wickets, and we saw that happen yesterday and indeed against New Zealand. So but that, that's something that Wade could do potentially if, if they be. do need a backup opener. Yeah. Then they've they've got one who's made what six hundred runs in the Big Bash, and then the fastest ever Australian list a <laughs> hundred. That's the the professional fifty over game he made one against one of the county sides. Was it Gloucester? I can't. Remember. I think it was Northamptonshire seconds last week, or that you know the Northamptonshire eleven. From memory. Either way, I, I, I certainly think that it, it provides a couple of very juicy storylines for us as far as redemption is concerned. Matthew Wade's um, papers seem to be marked, you know, do not do yeah. not return, do not play for Australia again. Uh, certainly that was the impression we got when 
asking Trevor Hones about it during the Australian summer. Not not to say that Hones ruled out a return for Wade, but it seemed as though the bar that was being set higher and higher. They said, well, go and make runs at number four. And he, when he was making runs at number six, then he did so. Then he wasn't picked and, and all the rest. As for Mitchell Marsh, I mean, with the exception of possibly his brother and, and maybe Shane Watson at a certain point in time, it'd be hard to think of a, a greater disconnect uh, between opportunities given and output. And that reflects the way the Australian public see him, which is awful, mm. really, because Marsh, Mitchell Marsh is, as we said on the show before, one of the loveliest blokes you'll ever come across. And I always feel for him when people get stuck in. But it, wouldn't it be a hell of a story if, if Marsh comes into the 11 <laughs> for the pointy stage of the World Cup and, and ends up on the balcony at Lords? Wow. That, that'd, be a, that'd, be, that'd be, as far as the Australian side's concerned and the various <laughs> threads running through it, that'd be something special. Imagine a match-winning partnership between Mitch Marsh and Matthew Wade. What, what, a, what, a, <laughs> what a turn of events that would be. Sure would be. Uh, it's, it's lovely out here. We're sitting on a, a little wooden bench on the mm. side of the field. There are rainbows in the sprinklers. The sun is out. Um, England got absolutely poleaxed here today. We'll come to that in the second half. Yeah. But but uh, we also have to look at so what's going on with um, the Indian team at the moment. The BCCI is getting stroppy because there's been political messaging um, on banners behind aeroplanes flying over India games, things about Kashmir and um, and violence in India. And so they've demanded the ICC put a stop to this. I wasn't aware the ICC had control over airspace permissions, who's allowed to fly a plane in what areas in well, the UK. I don't know, this kind of comes full circle on our old rain delay chat, doesn't it? Where we left that was the after a lot of conversation on social media and on the Guardian OBO and other places that the most effective way to prevent the rain from hitting the turf was through a shade cloth or rather a tarp held mm. up by drones. There may be, this is one way the ICC, I'm, I'll put it this way, I doubt the ICC would act to prevent rain coming down. I'm sure they would act or consider acting um, to keep India happy. Last last night, for example, mm. when we saw that if Australia had have tied against South Africa, it would have meant that um, India were leapfrogged on net run rate. I can guarantee one way to get r- rid of net run rate as a decision-making <laughs> device, have it disadvantage India in a major tournament. So maybe it'll take this political sloganeering for them to consider our rain our rain device for the next major as, tournament. As Unintended consequence. As, like, so that you can't see the aeroplanes. Yeah, yeah. So they have this thing they can okay. roll out when, when, when you've got sky riders. And that'll yep. work very nice on an evening like this. It's very clear here in Canterbury. Um, it's, it's a lovely slope here too. It's a more pronounced slope than the one at Lords, which you really notice sitting from the angle we're on. There's an aeroplane making a trail across the sky as we speak. Chemtrails, man. Chemtrails. <laughs> oh, they're trying to change what our babies think. Do you remember when we were growing up, Jeff, in Melbourne, that you'd regularly see sign riders around VFL mm. finals time or I guess AFL by the yep. time we were in primary school but when we were younger you'd have the logos of either side in the sky at the at the grounds before major finals and so you know I don't want to offer a view on what's going on uh, with India and, and the ICC necessarily I do want to see in general more people writing in the sky just just messages in the sky yeah, that's like what it's all about and so yep. forth. Um, hello I love you won't you tell me your name yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, Right. Right, We also have to look at um, England are in this position now where Trevor Bayliss was coming out today and saying, we're not scared of chasing. Now, this (laughs) was the team that did nothing but chase for the last four years, then didn't chase well for two games, then batted first for two games, and now he's scared of chasing. Um, Is there a point where this sort of cricket media story cycle just eats itself and becomes completely obscene? 
Yeah, I haven't heard um, chasing talked about so much in England cricket since Ian Botham went on that television show with the school kids in Scotland and talked about chasing the dragon. So, <laughs> isn't, isn't the chase the show that uh, former cricket writer Brian Coverdale is. is now on? It is the, well, the shark p- part-time cricket writer these days. I think we call him. We, we've shared um, we, we've shared a, a website recently, Brian and I actually. Oh, well. <laughs> but so he's in uh, doing cameos. But yes, the now celebrity former cricket writer at Cricket Info, Brian Coverdale, is the shark on the chase back in Australia. Imagine, could we get him together with Greg Norman for some sort of um, some sh- sort of shark off? We should get him on Nerd Pledge Quiz at some stage. He's very yeah. good at that. Yeah, but can we get him, say, shirtless on a boat doing weights with Greg Norman? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just playing, just just, just getting the, the one wood out and, uh, and he and the shark next to each other. All my dreams coming true just, right Just there. teeing off off the back deck. <laughs> You're just watching. I'm just watching. <laughs> um, so, so England are now scared of chasing after having not chased for two games. Is that oh, is that reasonable to say? No, oh, look, I think your first piece of analysis is spot on. You, you get to this stage of the tournament and almost every story has been written and it's preposterous to say that England should be under any pressure chasing. Has anyone watched them over the last four years? I mean, mm. granted, had they had their time again, they probably wouldn't have chased at Lords on a on a track against Australia, which lent itself to um, lent itself to runs on the board. But hey, that time is over. The weather in England smashing. Look, it might very well rain um, before the game at Edgbaston if we have to go to a reserve day. That's the other point of conversation today. That the forecast is dreadful for Thursday. But um, mm. the, the greater probability is is that when they do front up at Birmingham, it'll be after three more. Days Days of sun and and it'll be a nice hard track and and they won't have any hesitation in in batting first or bowling first whatever they feel like on the morning I, I don't think at all this psychology will come into it I think it's telling that I don't have a talking point for New Zealand because they're just nice and reasonable and have their act together and all nothing's I care going about, on all I care about about New Zealand right now is knowing when they're doing their press conferences and knowing who's standing up that's all I care about and as long as <laughs> they're doing it and I'm there for it I'm good as gold <laughs> yeah they've they've got their act together so for our, our New Zealand fans and listeners including uh, Jane Francis and the like. I'm sorry we don't have a New Zealand story for you. They don't have a story. They're just nice guys with a couple of good moustaches. We'll be there tomorrow, won't we? So we're going back to believe it or not, we're going back to Manchester in the morning. We're jumping back in the rental car uh, first thing and, and making the long journey back up north for mm-hmm. uh, the pre-game press conferences between New Zealand and India and and uh, and previewing and sizing up that contest. So that's, when, that's where we'll be uh, broadcasting the, the final word from tomorrow in our little office at Old Trafford. And I will say I'm glad we're getting a New Zealand-India match-up um, had a couple of emails about this on the ABO as well that because they didn't play because they were rained out in the group stage we get to see you know, oh, yeah. they don't dodge each other this time we get, they get to actually have a contest and see, see who triumphs yeah because they wouldn't have played against each other in the World Cup last time either would they they were, they were bracketed off in separate groups mm. so. opposite sides of the draw oh, looking forward to that well they did play each other in the warm up didn't they New Zealand ran through them it's a long 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 time ago yeah. now but they did play at the Bowl Oval out for 200. they did and I think they had them 6 for 80 odd early on so yeah you know Form line's been nothing now, but uh, I'm sure that the New Zealand staff will, will show them the highlight tape of that and remind them that they are capable. We'll have a quick break in which some people who sound a lot like us will probably tell you about superannuation, and then we'll be back with that. Jeff, how about this? We've got a new spin on Nerd Pledge, but it's sent through by our great mates at Seabus Super. Really? Tell me what we've got. 9.8. Two nine. Okay, so that it would have to be nine for twenty nine, which mm. would be the New Zealand batting collapse against Pakistan when Yasir Shah took eight for. That's very good from you, spot on. But nine point two nine percent is also Seabus Super's average annual return for their default investment option over the last thirty four years. I did not anticipate that completely organic segue. Goodness me! Uh, do we have another number? We do actually, as it happens. Uh, 
50. Okay, 50 is probably the most common number in cricket, maybe aside from naught, so that's not too clear. But maybe it's the good bit of Bradman's career in between the debut at the Echo where he sucked and then the last test where he made a duck. Very nice. Right again. Also, $50 billion is how much of their members' money CBUS currently have invested. Well, I've learned something new. CBUS Super, the industry super fund hitting your retirement for six. You can visit cbussuper.com.au to find out more. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. To consider a CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. This is the final word, World Cup Daily, day 39. Non-playing day in the World Cup, but playing day in the women's ashes. And even though this is a World Cup podcast, we couldn't not include this conversation today because uh, Elise Perry took the best ever figures by an Australian woman bowling in a one-day international. Uh, seven for 23. Seven for 22. Seven Ten for overs. 22. I'm sorry, I added a run. Ten overs, four maidens, seven for 22. At one stage, she had five for 12. She was on a hat trick in the what would have been the fourth over yep. of the England reply to 269. Look, we've seen Elise Perry um, do wonderful things before in the women's ashes. She took nine for 70 match figures on this ground four years ago. She made... 201 not out at uh, North Sydney Oval under the floodlights on a Saturday night. 213, sorry, I thought it was 201. An unbeaten double hundred (laughs) Uh, back in uh, 2017, which was the... It's one of the many 213s we've had as nerd pledges Uh, on this podcast where people send us challenge numbers when they sign up as subscriptions on the Patreon page to see if we can guess what they are. Quite a few 213s. Well, yeah, indeed. And and a relevant one in World Cup semi-final week anyway. So Perry, four years ago, was put in probably the defining moment of the, the women's Ashes. Two years ago, the defining moment of the women's ashes, and she's done it for a third time here. Um, she's an incredible cricketer uh, with bat and with ball. Uh, she's also an inspiration. I think about all of the young people who will get a chance to watch her have played today. There was a very healthy crowd in at Canterbury. It's when the series should have started. It's crazy that we had two women's ashes games midweek in Leicester against World Cup fixtures. This should have been the opener. Very healthy crowd. Instead, England were already two 0 down in the series and played accordingly. They were they were meek and, and limp today with the yeah. bat. Um, but Perry took full advantage. Uh, she's got a big psychological hold over a series of England top order players, and it really did show. Uh, and now, uh, you know, she's got the best figures ever for an Australian in a one-day international. The fourth best figures ever in a women's ODI. They bowled them out for 75, which is England's lowest score ever against Australia. They were lucky to pass 50, which was their um, previous uh, lowest score. If not for the 20-odd they put on for the final wicket, mm-hmm. they might have got rolled for uh, south of that. So a, a day when Australia stamped their authority again on the women's game. And it's kind of hard to believe that England were world champions two years ago. They're, it's not just that England have got worse. It's that yeah. Australia have got dramatically better and we kind of referred to this in the in the preview to the women's ashes jeff that there is a potential not problem i don't want to call it a problem but it's noticeable that that the rich are getting richer here and i don't mean that financially i just mean Mm. in terms of the riches they have to choose from well it is partly financial as well it's what you choose to invest in the game the countries that have the money to invest in it and certainly if Australia's accelerating away from England like this, they're accelerating even further away from all of the countries like you know Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Pakistan, who mm. who have made progress versus ten years ago in objective terms, but not in relative terms. They're probably dropping further behind, and uh, it looked like that today. Australia smashed them around. Healy and Lanning 
both made fast 60s and Australia got up to 270 and England's only ever made that once in the second innings of a one day you know they've only ever topped 270 once so they weren't going to do it but to be you know five for five for 21 they were six for six for 21 six for at 21. one stage yeah it's 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 frankly embarrassing they were four for 19 in the first game as well and, and were thrashed there you know even though Australia it looked a bit closer on paper than it in fact in fact was so yeah reminded me of four years ago with Sarah Taylor she made a pair in that game she got a got a beautiful she's actually the one who I feel sorry for today because um, Taylor got a, a, a delicious outswinger an almost unplayable Perry delivery which she feathered behind using that slope I mentioned before it does do tricks with batsmen doesn't mm. it um, when, when you're coming out to a ground like this which is clearly slanted one way but all the same and I love the way that Lanning brought her back as well so she had six wickets in her first stint she goes yep. no come on fin- oh, no, sorry five yeah, in her five first in stint first. five and seven overs had five overs off and then came back and picked up one in her first over back uh, then bowled a maiden, then got one in her last over as well. So yeah. I think yeah. she, I think she took two for none in her second spell. It's crazy. Yep. So um, all told, Australia go to Taunton for the standalone Test match. They only need to get two more points, so a draw in that Test will retain the trophy. The scarcely believable scenario is that England would win the Test and win all three yep. T20s. In reality, this will probably end up being a, a quite heavy defeat for England, an uncompetitive series, and and will ask a lot of questions, and rightly so. But they're going to go out hard to win it. I thought it was notable that um, that Perry was talking about. Um, wanting to play an entertaining form of, she said, when you play a test match, you don't get much opportunity to do it. You've got to really go for it. You've got to make sure that you show it in its best possible light. So it'll be good to see what they do with that. So the most important person in that whole equation, the curator, or the groundsman, as they say over here, they need to make sure this pitch is 10 times better than what North Sydney was, which was a disgrace, and considerably better than the one they turned out here at Canterbury four years Mm. ago, which wasn't much better. It has to be lively. It has to give a chance for the ball to come through to the wicketkeeper. Remember that that Women's Ashes test in in North Sydney two years ago? The first ball the Megan Shute bowled in the whole thing didn't get through to Elisa Healy, and that's no reflection on Shute. That's a reflection on the surface. So Mm. please, please, please give the track some life. Give the track some life. That's enough from us. World Cup Daily, day 39. We'll be back from the preview day for the first semi-final tomorrow and then the first semi-final the day after that. And on and on it rolls. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by Seabus Super. You can find them at seabussuper.com.au and you can find the Final Word podcast in all your podcast feeds. If you haven't subscribed, do it. Why not? Today is a great time. You can leave ratings and reviews and all that kind of stuff as well. Or you can hop on the Patreon page if you want to throw us a couple of bucks to keep the show going. P-A-T-R E-O-N dot com slash the final word. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Till then. Good night. Future questions, my current senses. that would be the same we've been doing for centuries. Sorry if I ran out to empty wrote this so you know what I meant here. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Hundreds of thousands of us are building a future we can all be proud of. For over 34 years, the growth CBUS My Super option has returned an average of 9.29% per annum for its members while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but something better. CBUS for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.